Hi y'all and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast where we talk all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host Brandy Fuller Anderson. I'm a counselor, coach, survivor, and author of the book I Believe You. I hope you've all been able to tune into the bonus red flag episodes where I discuss different red flags that might clue you into a relationship with a narcissist. Definitely that would clue you into a toxic relationship. They're important for us to touch on and look back on to make sense of the things that have twisted our thoughts and knots. To help us find that balance, that renewed sense of our own self-identity and that confidence that we once had with regards to our control over our relationships and our future. These discussions are how we spread awareness about these assholes and also how we arm ourselves with the knowledge that will help us develop strong boundaries that will prevent us from falling into these abusive traps in the future. And when those bonus episodes come out, they come out on Mondays. Now, the narcissist that I referred to was my now ex-husband. So, in discussion, you'll hear me refer to the narc as a he. But this is strictly because it's how I tell my story and offers consistency. But know that narcissists are both male and female and the pronoun used is not what matters. Insert whichever is most fitting for you. If you have any questions about what I mean when I say narcissist, you can go back and listen to episode one of the podcast for further clarification. Remember that as a community, we count on each other. We're often all that we have, and most certainly the only hope that we can make a difference or some kind of change that will lessen the impact of narcissistic abuse on the world. And one of the ways in which we do this is by consistently spreading awareness, getting the word out there, whether the rest of the world is ready to hear it or not. And one of the ways in which we can do this is by wearing some of the gear with narcissistic terms, facts, and information clearly printed on them, and putting it all out there for everyone to see. Getting the idea visible in the general public, who will then have the terms to compare to suspicious behavior should they see it, or get them familiar with the facts that then help them to be supportive of a victim telling their story, just putting them into existence. And I encourage everyone to check out the fundraising shop on IBelieveYourAbuse.com because I wholeheartedly support the charity work that they do to rescue victims from dangerous environments, to spread awareness, and to fight to enact equality and understanding in the criminal justice system with regards to invisible abuses. Just great, great work. So please go over and support them. Together we can make a difference. This week, we're discussing some of the most damaging behaviors that narcissists perpetrate on their partners. Behaviors that start the confusion. Behaviors that lead to the self-doubt. Behaviors that work to develop the cognitive dissonance and trauma bond. These behaviors are sometimes hardest to prove. Behaviors that further isolate the victims of it, because for others, it is harder to believe. 
They are the behaviors that rob you of your very identity. Behaviors that weaken our defenses against abuse and nurture the symptoms of complex PTSD that this relationship started creating early on in your interaction. The remnants of which will last years and years after you finally separate yourself from the abusive partner. We will be discussing and offering lots of examples. The narcissist carefully crafted as well as eerily instinctive ability to lie and gaslight. I get a lot of questions regarding gaslighting. A lot of people want clarity on what exactly it means and question whether or not what they are experiencing is actually gaslighting. And the confusion makes sense if you've read any survivor stories or examples online, because they can all be so different from each other. It can make you wonder if what you feel like you're experiencing is actually gaslighting or something that's just in your head. Not to mention, the purpose of gaslighting anyway is to make you doubt your perception of things, so you'll naturally question whether or not you are in the wrong. So just to clarify why there are so many different stories people tell that could appear to be gaslighting, it is because gaslighting is what happens when purposeful manipulations fog the recollection in a victim's memory to serve the self-interest of the manipulator. It's a way in which narcissists distort reality and invalidate the perception of their victim, eventually to the point that the victim questions their very own sanity. The reason it can appear quite different in stories that you hear is because there are many different manipulation tactics narcissists use to achieve the end goal, which is to undermine your very reality. Some of these manipulations may include telling lies, blame-shifting, projection, trivializing, word salads, or denial. Obviously, there may be some extreme differences in the way the manipulation of blame-shifting plays out compared to the manipulation tactic of trivializing. However, both can cause the receiver to question their very own perception of what they're seeing, hearing, or experiencing. Because both cause the victim to experience gaslighting. Gaslighting creates that constant confusion and self-doubt in victims that is extremely difficult to shake, even after they're no longer in the relationship. It leads to symptoms of complex PTSD that make decision-making difficult, increases forgetfulness, can cause stuttering or physical ailments, and intensifies anxiety. Here's one example of gaslighting by a narcissistic partner. Let's say you're expecting your friends over for dinner. It was planned about a month ago. You spend the day cleaning the house, shopping for the meal, and then preparing the meal. You text your partner about an hour before dinner and ask that he pick up some napkins on the way home. He doesn't respond to your text ghosting you because he knows exactly what he's about to pull, although he will later try to convince you that you don't respect how busy he is at work and he simply has no time to respond. 
Your friends arrive for dinner. Your partner still isn't home. You text again. No answer. Dinner comes and goes, and you're embarrassed and besides yourself with excuses to give your dinner guests so that you don't feel quite so rude or unaccommodating. Your guests leave, and then you clean up and get yourself ready for bed. Then, your narc partner strolls in the door without a care in the world, and you're furious. Where the hell have you been? You missed dinner and made me look like a fool. To which your partner casually responds, What are you talking about? I had that work meeting. You need to calm down. You stop in your tracks. What is he talking about? What work meeting? And you ask, What do you mean? What work meeting? And he'll tell you the one I told you about last week. I told you, you would likely have to have dinner without me because I simply could not get out of it. Don't you listen to anything I say? You think long and hard. You feel pretty sure that there was never such a conversation. That you never heard anything about any work meeting. Surely you would remember such a conversation. You try to make sense of the story that your partner seems confident in. And that flood of confusing statements gets tossed into your already heightened emotions of anger and frustration and hurt. It's an overwhelming influx of mixed emotion and information. You want to dig your heels in. This didn't happen. But your mate keeps on and doesn't waver. He doesn't seem at all confused about what happened and you start to second-guess yourself. You start to let that idea in. After all, you're one to self-reflect and consider your part in things. And you certainly want to admit when you're wrong, and you would feel bad about being mad at your partner if he were not the one in the wrong. There doesn't seem to be any way to win the argument because your mate isn't letting go of the idea of being mistaken it's not even letting that thought enter his head, so you can keep arguing and questioning what you thought was real, or you can concede and move on. Which do you choose? The narcissist benefits in many ways from gaslighting. Once they're able to convince you that your perception of reality is wrong, that your memory of things is slipping, or that you are the crazy one, they are more easily able to get away with more despicable behaviors. As even if you could catch them in the act, you would doubt what you saw, heard, or knew. They get to constantly convince you they are right and you are wrong, since they so love being right even if they aren't. And if you feel less of yourself, it somehow makes them feel more about themselves. It confirms the lies they tell themselves, that they are better than you, that you are the damaged one and not them. You will constantly think there are misunderstandings happening and you will scatter to figure out how to prevent them 
but these answers cannot be found because the narcissist has purposefully planted this seed in all of these instances. It leaves you chasing your tail. It leaves you feeling crazy. Narcissists will say or do anything to avoid feeling anything that makes them uncomfortable. Even if that means that they do so at the expense of your mental stability, well-being, or happiness. Here is another example of their crazy making. Let's say you were expecting the dishwasher to be fixed today. After your narc partner stated that you had no reason to call a repairman, as he's perfectly capable of fixing it himself and he'll get it done today. I'm going to do both sides of the conversation here, so let's see how this plays out. So you say to the narc, I thought you said you were going to fix the dishwasher today. I wanted to. Well, why didn't... I can't even get my tools with your boxes in the way. Oh, okay, I need to find time to go through them. You aren't the only person who lives here. It's pretty selfish to take up most of the garage. I'm a man and I need my space. Okay, well, I work full time though, and then I come home and I clean the house, so I just haven't had time to... What you need to do is just haul those boxes to the dump. I think you have hoarding issues. Hoarding issues? But they're my father's belongings and he just passed away. I would like time to go through them. Do you really think your father wanted you to keep his things instead of giving them to your sister? Don't you think you're being pretty selfish? Well, I asked and she didn't want... People don't want to fight you for things because they know how you are. How I am? You can't always wait for people to come to you. You need to learn to communicate. What do you mean I need to learn to communicate? This is exactly why my friends don't want to be around you. I lose friends because of you. Wait, what? Your friends don't like me? You're always so concerned about what other people think of you. Why can't you be more confident? I'm not concerned about what other people think of me. Well, maybe you should be. You aren't as great as you think you are. Huh? Stop, wait. Why didn't you fix the dishwasher today? What are you talking about? You never even told me the dishwasher was broken. How do you feel at the end of this conversation? I'll bet you know exactly how you feel. Because if you have a narc partner, you've had this conversation multiple times. And there's no successful way to end it. Let's say that you pull $20 out of an ATM because you know that you have to give your kids lunch money in the morning for school the next day, so you pull it out, you put it in your purse, and you plan on when they get up in the morning before school, you're going to hand them $20 so they can pay it to the lunch lady. You also happen to know that it's right before payday. So your narc partner is already broke because he always spends his money on frivolous things immediately following payday and then expects you to cover the responsible things for him like gas in his car. In fact, he asks you for money for gas to get to work the next day and you reluctantly give it. The next morning, you go to pull that $20 out of your wallet to give to the kids 
and it isn't there. So frantically, you spend all morning looking for it, searching your mind for anything you could have spent it on without remembering. Could you have dropped it somewhere? And eventually, the kids have to get off to school, so you just pull another $20 out and give it to them for lunches. When your narc mate arrives home that evening, you see that he has purchased himself lunch and a new pack of cigarettes. Missing money and looking for it. I guess it's possible that I misplaced it? That I'm wrong? You confront your partner about what he spent today and ask about the money in your wallet. But he quickly shoots you down by saying his coworker bought his lunch today and he hasn't seen any money or been in your wallet. And he suggests maybe you spent it or misplaced it. He is immediately angry and offended by your accusation. As you start to dig through your pants pockets and your wallet, he starts to assist you in looking around the room and in drawers. You're fooled by this. Why would he help you look for money if he took it? A rational person wouldn't, and so this makes it difficult for you to comprehend. When you're unable to find the money, you again start to accuse him of taking it. This time he gets angrier at the assumption that you've made. He's insulted. He tells you one of your kids likely took it. But everything in you knows it's highly unlikely that your kids would get in your wallet, as you've never known them to be thieves, and they really have no need for the money other than for lunches, which is what it was for. The only person you've ever known to lie and steal is your partner. But he sticks to his story in such a way that it's hard to refute. He acts genuinely upset at your accusations and he spends time helping you look for the money and even throwing out ideas as to how you might have been irresponsible with it or forgetful with it. You can remain in this realm of bent reality and drive yourself mad or you can once again concede to his recollection of things, doubt what you know to be true and let it go. And each and every time, it gets easier to get to this final conclusion, that you are likely wrong and he is likely right, or at the very least, that it isn't worth the argument and just better to let it go. There are many different theories as to the narcissist's motivations for gaslighting their partners. It is effective for so many things, so each theory may hold true. Gaslighting is a way of twisting facts in such a way that it will eventually make you doubt your own reality. It is a way of adding confusion and deception and word salad in conversation. They may flat out deny saying something that you know they said. Many believe it's a tactic to turn you off the trail of catching them in a lie. Others feel it's a plotted tactic to make you confused about your own sanity in an attempt to weaken your mind and make it easier to emotionally break you down and control you. Others 
believe it to be just the result of a narcissist's own inner struggle with accepting reality, blame, or cracks in their false persona. I believe it's one of the biggest contributors of the symptoms of PTSD you may feel once you leave this relationship. Symptoms like forgetfulness, confusion, inability to make decisions, fear about choosing a good partner or moving forward, self-doubt, and so many more. Here's an example of what this crazy-making tactic might look like. Maybe your narc partner casually mentions to you, we really need a larger TV in the bedroom. But you brush it off. You know you have some more important things to worry about. You let it go. So a little bit later, he complains, I'm really tired of watching this tiny-ass TV every night. We really need to get a better one. And you let that one go too. But because he wants what he wants and he can't let it go, he then tells you, Hey, for my birthday, you can get me that fancy TV I like for the bedroom. So after all of his hints and all of your trying to ignore those hints, maybe a week later, you notice that the TV he's been asking about is in a store ad. So you let him know, Hey, guess what I saw this week? I saw that TV that you like go on sale. To which your narc then responds in contempt. Our TV works just fine. All you ever do is spend money we don't have. Maybe if you weren't so concerned with getting new things all the time, I could have saved for that new car or something else I really wanted or needed. You may wonder to yourself, how did I possibly misread that? You will certainly second guess yourself, wondering how to make your partner happy when the truth is, there's nothing you can do to make them happy because what they want changes with every passing moment. There is no magic word or present or favor that will keep your narcissist pleased with you. It isn't going to happen. If you have already noticed yourself being gaslighted by your partner, and if you have already felt the inability to please your narc partner, and if you have ever swallowed your pride and your emotions just to get out of a non-productive conversation, there is nothing you can do that will make this behavior stop happening except to excuse yourself from being part of it. That's it. Get out and go no contact. Narcissists are liars. You are rarely getting truth from them. And not only that, you are rarely getting from them the same story other people are getting from them. He will twist facts and observations in every situation to reach whatever his immediate goal is. And those goals will rarely be predictable because they change so often and narcissists really aren't even in touch with who they are or what they want. There are many reasons why narcissists lie. They want to smear you so they can project onto you through the eyes of others. 
as if this somehow vindicates them from their wrongful behavior or shameful qualities. They want to make you look bad. Why, you might wonder? Why would someone want other people to think badly about their partner? And depending on the narcissist, these answers can vary. Narcissistic reason might tell you that the worse you look and feel, the better they look and feel. They may like the pity that's elicited when other people know how much the narc puts up with dealing with you. They like to separate you from anyone who may one day listen to and entertain the stories that you have to tell. They want to ensure you always appear to have a screw loose or to be an untrustworthy source so that nobody would ever even give a second thought to anything you try to accuse them of. They want to use your poor qualities as excuses for why they can't do things or for why they need things from other people. They want a way to explain the breakup when it eventually comes so they can get people to take sides with them which then again increases the pity they receive from those people. All of these things isolate you from supports that might clue you into the abuse you're experiencing or might encourage you to walk away from the abuse before they're ready for you to walk away from it. They lie to create alibis so they can continue to do whatever they want without consequence to them. They lie to perfect and cover up every carefully crafted thing about their false persona so they can continue to live a life that endorses the delusions that they've told themselves. They lie for a lot of reasons. But why are the lies so believable to others? One reason is because narcissists tend to believe their own lies, which makes them appear highly genuine. But also, because they have this knack for telling lies that consist mostly of truth, which makes them very believable and harder to refute, especially when they're the first to tell them. Maybe your narcissist partner loses his job, which in turn causes much financial strain on your life and your relationship, maybe causes many fights about money and the need to save more money, or to be more responsible with money, or for him to start looking for a new job, and maybe causes your family to have to cancel an upcoming family trip that was planned, or to sell an extra vehicle that you had. But if your narc partner feels shame about losing yet another job, he won't want to be portrayed in his false narrative as this loser who can't keep a job. So he will tell all of his so-called friends, who he has already carefully separated you from, that you have lost yet another job, are so irresponsible, and are reckless with all of the family money. He will whine about the fights that you have about money and about responsibility. He will elicit pity at having to sell his car and about why he can't afford to go on that planned trip that he had been looking forward to but had to be canceled. There's a lot of truth in what he tells because there are fights between the two of you about money and you did have to cancel an upcoming trip and there are financial strains 
but he changed one small detail. He changed the story to one in which you are the one causing all of the problems. And do you know what these eager listeners know about what's happening? They know the story he tells. They hear fights that appear to be over money. They know that you did indeed have to cancel a family trip, and they see that you've sold a car. They see that the story he tells makes sense. It's believable. So they believe it. If you were to ever try to refute this information later, it would be difficult for you to do. After all, nothing in the situation made them feel as if your partner was lying about what he was saying. In fact, his story seemed to be backed up by facts. And not only that, but since your mate has likely been working to smear your good name and to convince people what a toxic person you are, what an untrustworthy person you are, they are way more likely to doubt the story that you tell. They may see your story as a defensive one, an attempt to cover up your own insecurities. This is how narcissists work every relationship, every time, which is how they get those loyal followers that seem too blind and ignorant to see what's really happening, or to see the narc for who he really is. While lying is a facet in many of their manipulations, not all lies are told with the intent of gaslighting you. But much of the time, there doesn't seem to be any other explanation that makes sense to a non-disordered mind. You may be on your way home from a date one night with your partner, and your partner points out a sign for a new movie that's out. Maybe he tells you, that looks like a good movie. I, I really enjoy watching that actor. A week later, you purchase tickets to that same movie. You think it'll be a nice surprise for a special date night out with your partner. But when you share the news about your night out, he quickly tells you that the movie looks stupid and he thinks it'll be a waste of time to go. What does this lie accomplish? It just doesn't make sense to someone who's neurotypical. You may find yourself asking yourself many times, why lie about that? Why? It doesn't seem to make sense to you and it never will, if you're not also disordered. This is part of why you spend so much time wondering what went wrong when you first notice the confusion and the lies. Too much time. If something were to happen in a normal relationship that confused you or left you wondering what went wrong, you could take some time to reflect on the situation. Some time to determine what exactly happened and how you can avoid it in the future. But in a relationship with a narc, you are completely taken by surprise when this first conversation comes out of nowhere. You try to take a moment you try to grasp at justifications, scenarios that might excuse away what you think just happened. You try to find a reason where there is no reason. But you don't have time because once you are here with the narcissist, the lies, manipulations, and the gaslighting will keep flying at you. 
will keep you in a realm of upheaval that prevents you the time and the space to sort out what is happening. It becomes confusion stacked on other confusion with no time to sort through it. And it slowly causes your self-esteem to deteriorate, your self-doubt to increase, and your new abuse cycle to escalate. Maybe your narcissist mate tells you how sexy he thinks you look when you wear glasses. Like a sexy school teacher, he'll tell you. So you make an effort to wear your glasses more often, so you can receive a much-needed compliment from your partner, because your self-esteem has already started to slowly erode away. Only this time, instead of telling you how much he likes the way you look in them, he chastises you for never putting an effort into the way you look. At least when you put your contacts in, it looks like you put in an effort, he says. The least you can do is try to look decent. One of those just not so subtle jabs that keeps you searching for their approval. Approval that will never come because they will always be shifting what it is they want from you. Narcs are skilled anti-conversationalists skilled in the way that they can avoid any productive conversation you try to throw their way. They have a way of spinning a conversation in all directions in hopes of taking you off track with what it was you initially wanted to talk about. They speak circles around any real communication. If you feel no sense of resolution at the end of a conversation, or feel as though conversations never seem to move forward, you are likely speaking to someone who is gaslighting you. You can't possibly predict the ways in which your narc partner will attempt to gaslight you because they will throw different versions at you each and every time it looks like you've grown suspicious of the last one. As empathetic, self-reflective people, you will likely always be willing to see your own wrongdoing in situations. But you can start to develop boundaries that do not allow others to cause you to constantly doubt the things that you think or experience. You can tell yourself that you refuse to be in an immature relationship where you play games. And then anytime something feels like a game, refuse to play. You can continue your understanding of narcissists until you fully grasp the idea that you will never be able to counteract their tactics. You will never be able to rationalize their behaviors with them. And you will never be able to love them into an existence where they operate in any other way other than the one you've already witnessed. Use this understanding to choose to not be a part of anything with anyone who behaves in these ways or makes you feel in these ways. Self-reflect so you can grow and learn. This is a great quality. But do it so that you have a firm understanding in who you are as a person and then don't let anyone cause doubt in you about who that person is. You will want to stand up against this crazy making. You will want to call them out on bullshit and challenge everything that they're saying to you. But truth be told, this will get you nowhere. Mark my words when I tell you that even if you feel like you have made progress in the moment, 
You have gone nowhere. You cannot fight back against crazy behaviors and statements. And if you find yourself feeling the need to do so, make the decision right there that acting in that way is not the person that you want to be. That you are above it. That you are over it. And that you refuse to be in a relationship that almost forces you to experience it. Know that you don't need this. And know that you can walk away from it when you notice it. And this will be the most strength-building boundary you possess. As always, you can find support between episodes on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find support, including resources for meetings, support groups, and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse if you visit IBelieveYourAbuse.com. You can also find a link to our shop. Did you know that I Believe Your Abuse raises funds nationwide to assist victims in relocation, healing, and education services? And also to raise awareness not only for narcissistic abuse, but to help raise awareness in the criminal justice system with regards to emotional abuse and other invisible abuses. And you can support this by purchasing from our shop, so please go check it out. You can also send in comments, requests for a specific topic to be addressed on the show, or share your survivor stories by sending an email to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. Be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you. Or if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse, or who are just willing to learn about and help and understand your experience, please share the show with them. Spreading awareness and understanding, it's so important. And on January 15th, I'm giving away 25 free recovery books uh, by way of drawing. So if you haven't had a chance to do so yet, you can visit uh, IBelieveYourAbuse.com and enter for your chance to win one of the 25 books. This is going to be a new year free from abuse. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story. I believe you.